Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And we just want to thank you for joining us today on Life Exchange. Um, we have been trying out these Q&A episodes. Please let us know what you think. Uh, you can email us all the time, anytime at lifeexchangepodcast at gmail.com uh, or send us a direct message on our Facebook or Instagram just under Giving Light. Um, and one other thing I just want to um, ask of you, if you are enjoying our podcast, please make sure that you subscribe uh, on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, that really helps us to know uh, who's listening regularly and and you'll get the episodes uh, first thing every week on uh, Tuesdays when they release. So if you guys could do that, go ahead. You can just pause right now, make sure you're subscribed and then jump back on uh, and we'll get into today's episode. So today we are talking about, uh, well, we're going to ask different questions today. So uh, Joel, do you want to ask the first question? Sure. So the first question is, what are some of your favorite worship songs? All right. Do you want me to start or do you want to keep on teasing me about what I want to talk about? <laughs> the running joke is just that uh, Mama Melody is, um, well, how did you say it earlier? There's not any fun in her. Or... Where's the joy at? Where's the joy? I have a we, lot we, of joy. We try to have these fun questions and then she's like, Serious. Well, my favorite worship song is when I had COVID. Blah, blah. I'm like, oh my! Can we... And he says that because uh, that's where I kind of find my favorite songs. Because really, I don't have a favorite song. Uh, I love worship services because I just when I listen to the words, I get so engaged uh, in the message and and in loving my God and the the words that are communicated. But I'm not one that just sits and just listens to music over and over and over like a worship leader or somebody who is totally engaged in, in that uh, because I'm busy doing other things. But what I find out that there are certain seasons of my life where there's a song that God really speaks to me through. And I'm one of those people who puts it on repeat yeah, over and over and over and over. And uh, so Joel's teasing about the COVID, but... Uh, there was a song that I listened to. Um, it was called Speak to the Mountain by Chris McClarney. Mm -hmm. And that song, I just listened to over and over and over because it just stirred such faith in me. It just caused me to recognize God is bigger, God is stronger, God is greater, God is better. And, and that was, you didn't just have like a mild case of COVID. You were dying at yeah. times. So it was a pretty bad situation. So this was a faith builder for you. It sure was. And so that became like, for all those weeks, yeah. that really was my song. And uh, so there's different seasons in my life where certain songs just really come alive to me. Yeah. So what was it about that song that you enjoyed or you liked or? Well, uh, uh, one thing it said, you know, I won't be moved. I will speak to the mountain, you know, mm -hmm. and, it, and it's really talking about facing the battles. But in the midst of those things, God is bigger. And then it says, oh, about platforms and all these things, but my God is better than all those things. Mm -hmm. So it compared the things of life, saying that God was so much better than that. And really, uh, in good times and difficult seasons, when we recognize that God is bigger than absolutely everything we face, it just causes us to be able to rest in Him. Mm -hmm. And for me at that time, God just really uh, showed me that the only thing that I was responsible to do was to choose Him. Yeah, Because when I chose Him, everything else is in Him. My healing is in Him. My peace is in Him. Uh, just every aspect of my life and things that are important to me, he's got it. Mm -hmm. So that song really just ministered truth to me and allowed the Holy Spirit just to speak so many other things into my life. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I know before I talked about Delirious being one of my favorites, you know, especially growing up, um, one of the songs was Obsession. That was a big one that God really used to minister to me. Majesty was another one. Um, some of the older ones, uh, I know Third Day had these two worship albums called Offerings, I believe they were. I really got yeah. some stuff out of that. Some old school ones were Vineyard Hungry album. Do yeah. you guys remember that one? Every song had that, I don't know if it's a penny whistle or like <laughs> that flute thing. Every song had it. 
uh, Petra praise that that I was a kid when and you passed that on to your children. Petra praise. Well, Petra, they were really into Petra. Maybe they're past it, but no, for that a was while. White Cross. Oh, White Cross. Okay, <laughs> same era, different band. <laughs> another worship artist is Jeremy Riddle. Uh, an, uh, another old one was Ten Shekeled Shirt. Um, you know, when I was thinking about this question, I was like, all these worship albums kind of kind of came to mind. I would say a new song for me is "This Is the Kingdom." Uh, it, it's kind of difficult sometimes that that song uh, specifically is just taken from scripture. And I know sometimes with worship songs, that's kind of hard to do to put it in a modern context, like lyrically and melodically. Uh, and so they fit all those beatitudes, you know, in the verses, and that's not always easy to do. But that's a song that kind of like gets stuck in you. I, I know a lot of times I'll just wake up singing, you know, this is the kingdom of heaven. Um, in the bridge, bridge, it talks about seek first the kingdom and all will be added. It's just it's mm-hmm. so repetitive and it kind of gets stuck in you. So do you find favorite songs uh, because of the sound of the artistry of it or the focus on the words or is it a combination of both probably a combination um as a musician i am drawn to when things are creative in in a in, in a musical way but definitely as a worship leader i do like to find songs that have a really powerful message mm-hmm. as well so um i find uh, there are times where I'll hear a song and musically I'm like, it's all right. And then I read the words. I'm like, this song <laughs> is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I would say those were the ones. So would the priority be the words and then secondarily the artistry? No, I take it from uh, a case-by-case basis. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if, if you're I'm trying like to me, figure like, it out yeah. in my head. There's, and... there's music. There, like, I enjoy listening to good music, but yeah. worship to me is not a style. It's a posture. And so that's where, mm. like, if, it, if we're talking specifically about worship, um, to me... It could be, you know, I don't love the sound of it, but I love the words or the music to me feels like worship. So I don't know. To me, that's it's not a style. It's the attitude of the offering, I guess. Yeah, this is probably um, old man soapbox. But when worship music first came out, it was like a new worship album was like once every six months Hmm. or once every year. And so when a, when an album came out, you could listen to the whole thing and like really digest it and be ministered to by it. But now it seems like there's 10 new songs every week yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> or a new album all the time. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying before I used to want to hear all what was coming in, out and now it's almost a little impossible Yeah, just because of... And, and it's funny because as a worship leader you're going to get people, have you heard this song? You know, we should do this song. And I always say, I'm sure it's amazing. I'll put it on my potential list. And that list is pretty long. But whenever I pick out the songs for service, it's like, uh, what is God wanting to say? Yeah. Uh, lyrically, you know, what What does he want us, the church to sing? Uh, but also, you know, if I had to do every new song, <laughs> That that has come out, it, the team would hate you. Well, they, 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 so they, they would revolt because <laughs> you can only learn so many songs at one point. So, yeah. So I've gone through seasons where we would do a bunch of new songs all the time, and then I went through seasons where I look back, I was like, man, we've done these songs a lot. Uh, so I'm I've kind of found found a balance with that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, for me, you know, I I love the new worship music. There's some really amazing stuff. Like you said, I can't keep up with it all at all. Yeah. I actually don't. I used to be really into like what what's coming out. I'm not anymore. I just, yeah. I don't know. I, I've lessened that on my priority scale. Um, well, the it's really flooded. Like, yeah. you know, they're like the church in Alabama, <laughs> you know, East River, Church of God the has East a River, new album. West you River, know? North River. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so many. Yeah. And I love that. I love that there is so much worship music. We have yeah. uh, Christian radio and there's all of that Christian But our you know, ability music. to digest it yeah. has, you know. Yeah. For me personally, though, when you asked this or this question was presented, I, um, I thought 
to me, what I go to instantly is like the stuff I grew up with, like, kind of mm-hmm. like what you were saying. It's like yeah. those formative years of, yeah. and so for me, it was like going back to those like Hosanna vineyard integrity, like those nineties worship songs that I grew up with. And even now, like if I, if I, um, privately, I'm just going to enter like a moment of worship. Those are the songs I reach for. It's not the new ones. Usually it's, um, ones that I can just always roll through my spirit or, or sing out that are very simple. There's not a lot to them. Um, there was no like, (laughs) uh, synthesizers and like all the new technology. Um, they're just really simple. So, um, like one, there is none like you by Don Moen. That one has just been a favorite of mine lately. It's very simple, very short song. Um, and, um, ones like Lord, you have my heart, find me in the river. These ones that I grew Mm -hmm. up with that are just really simple, but very pure to me. That's really important. Like in a worship song. And for me personally, there's nothing wrong with worship songs that fill us up, um, that are, you know, building our faith and, you know, we can move mountains and all of those things. There's nothing wrong with those at all. They're very awesome. Um, but for me, my favorite worship songs are the ones that are very, um, focused on God focused Mm -hmm. on, um, me pouring back out onto him, uh, who he is, because really when I connect, when any of us connect with him, he'll automatically fill us up. It's just who he is. He's always pouring out. And so to me, that posture of worship is me pouring back out onto Mm -hmm. him. Uh, so those songs, those are the ones that, um, I gravitate towards the most. And those songs aren't necessarily about the song in particular. For me, it's what what was God speaking to me in those times of intimacy? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, those uh, songs are kind of like um, ways that get me to a place uh, or lead me into a place of His presence. Yeah. And it's what God is speaking in those moments that is is of value. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's not necessarily like, I think you have to be careful because you can't have uh, a worship culture where we value the song over, you know, mm. it's kind of like we're, we're, we're worshiping the song and not our creator. Yeah. Maybe that, maybe we didn't need to go there in this conversation, <laughs> but it is something that I thought about sometimes, especially in this day and age, it's like people get excited about a song or how, you know, the, the energy of the song or the, the musical style. And I think, so I think we can miss the point Yeah, if we just are more infatuated with the song than, than who we're singing to. Yeah, actually like, I mean, definitely we have style, what we like. There's, all of us have a something yeah. that we prefer. Yeah. Um, and it's those times, you know, on a Sunday morning when a song comes on and my immediate thought is, oh, I don't really like this song. <laughs> those mm. are the moments where I have to go, but does it matter? Um, does it matter if I like it or not like it? Now is when I get to choose to worship. That's what worship is, is a posturing that I'm putting him above everything else. Uh, and so, yeah. yeah, I mean, is it wrong to have a style or a preference? No. No. But when it comes to worship, it is about him. That is the whole point of worship is, yeah. is who is um, number one in your heart and your affection, your attention. Uh, there's also a song that I love. I actually, I never heard it before maybe last year, but it's called All Is For Your Glory. Uh, it's a Corey Asbury song from, I, I don't know, quite a while ago. But there's a, I think it's the bridge. It says, you alone will be exalted in that day and worthless goals will be exposed as idols that we've made. And oh my goodness, did that like <laughs> hit me because that that is what worship is. When he is truly the first, mm-hmm. then everything else that we try to prioritize um, becomes really, it, it puts itself in the right order. Uh, and even the old, the old hymn and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's one of my favorites because again, when you put him first, everything else comes into proper alignment and order um, because worship is, it's about him. It's not about everything else. So. So yes, if you have a favorite worship song, reach out to us (laughs) and let us know what it is and why you love it. Yeah. And they could be 
whatever song doesn't have to be super deep and meaningful. <laughs> whatever, whatever's your favorite worship B-I-B-L- song. B-I-B-L- B-I-B-L-E. B-I-B-L-E. <laughs> you know, it hurts my heart sometimes. I ask these little kids if they know these children's church songs that I grew up with, and they've never heard of them. And I think, oh, I need to educate you, sweet little one. We need to move over devil and <laughs> Father Abraham. <laughs> There's a lot of truth in those songs, huh? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, do we want to move on to our next question? Yep. All right. Let's see. Am I reading it? Sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, question number two for today is, I'm told that I'm dealing with a spirit. How do I know if I'm dealing with a spirit or just a natural consequence? All right. This is a bit of a heavier question. Yeah. Well, I believe whether it is just believing a lie or it's dealing with the spirit, they are all sourced from the enemy, the father of lies. Mm-hmm. And so we recognize the source of all that is evil. And uh, But whether or not it is me believing a lie or me struggling or, or something like that, that is birth from me. And I'm very aware of, uh, you know, these are lies. Why am I believing these lies? You know, I'm being hit, I'm being attacked or whatever. And I'm very aware that this is not me, that this is a lie of the enemy. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm aware that's what this thought has come from. And so we recognize that the enemy is just trying to get us to believe a lie. And we can choose to reject that because we know the source of it. But when we're dealing with a spirit there are these intrusive thoughts that it sounds like me. Mm -hmm. I don't recognize that it is the enemy. I don't recognize uh, a demonic stronghold or a demonic mindset that I really believe this is Melody. And so, you know, I was there. I've experienced them both. And there was a time in my life where I was just so consumed with shame and fear, but all the lies of shame and all the fear-based lies, I thought that was who Melody was. Yeah, I thought they were my thoughts. And so they controlled me. I, I didn't think that it was the enemy tempting, harassing, tormenting. It was just what I truly believed was me. It felt like me. It controlled me. I made my decisions by those things. And um, and so, you know, the bottom line is there was freedom and uh, the enemy was driven out. And immediately after that, I became very clear in my mind. Mm-hmm. That that never was me all along. Well, and when you when you're speaking of like when it becomes an identity issue, if you believe that it is you, would you say that it's um, typically what happens is then we are very self condemning and we say, well, I need to do better, I need to be better, uh, I need to figure out how to get rid of this thing. We kind of take it onto our own effort um, because we're 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 saying, well, I'm feeling this way because this is who I am. So I need to correct it. It's very like self-condemning and. Yeah. Because in the garden, that was the very first thing uh, that when Adam and Eve sinned, immediately they began to believe a lie about who they were, Mm -hmm. right? They immediately felt shame. They had immediately embraced a false identity. And then out of fear, they hid. And that's one thing uh, when we're dealing with a demonic stronghold, it feels so much like us and the real source is hidden from us. We are not aware that that is literally a spirit. God has not given us a spirit. That's a demonic stronghold. He has not given us a spirit of fear, Mm -hmm. but he has given us the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So if I'm being controlled by a spirit, I will not feel powerful. I will not have a sound mind. I will not love myself, probably not love others. Mm-hmm. You know, have false beliefs about a whole lot of things. And uh, because the very nature of what comes from the enemy is so destructive, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So when it comes to a spirit, 
It is very all-consuming. It doesn't, it's not necessarily something that comes and goes. It's just a belief because yeah. now it has taken up residence. Mm-hmm. You know, it has attached itself to my thinking, my even my neurological memory building process yeah. because I've rehearsed and meditated on these things for so long. Uh, but praise God, greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And as a believer, uh, you cannot be possessed because your spirit man belongs to the spirit of God, but our soul can be oppressed. Mm-hmm. And when we can recognize that, then we do have the power and the authority to recognize. Uh, and for me personally, when I when truth began to invade me, I began to see, oh, what I believe about me is not truth. And I began to recognize that there were strongholds. Yeah. And so, you know, I came up with a couple little things for us to be able to deal with some of those thoughts. And it simply might be... Um, I recognize I'm a believing a lie or I made an inner vow or I made a, a covenant with something, mm-hmm. uh, a belief that is not true that I need to break. Uh, but whether it's that or I recognize I am being tormented. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is beyond me. It is much greater. The same power causes us to be free. And I remember my first few deliverance sessions were self-deliverance. Yeah. And I was freed Mm -hmm. because I was a daughter of the king. And when revelation came, I had the authority to confront it. Yeah. So I gave a lot to just try to make it simple there. But (laughs) (laughs) I know like when that, when the revelation comes that it's not just you, when you have that, that um, revelation, I was just talking to someone recently and they said, well, God revealed this to me. Uh, and it was like a light bulb, but then it wasn't, you know, okay, God revealed it. And now, now it's like, well, now I'm aware of the problem. But when God reveals something, that is your moment of freedom because what you didn't know, you now know, and you can trust that what he said is true about you. And so, um, you can really lean into what he's saying. Cause sometimes, uh, I think we question ourselves so much is that my thought is that the devil's thought, um, how do I, how do I know, you know, I, it doesn't feel true. How do I know it's true? But when God has revealed something to you, um, whether it's through his word, through a prophetic word, through, um, just him revealing it to you personally, um, uh, when that moment of revelation comes, that's what you want to run with because I've experienced it in my own life is when that light turns on, yep. it's like, Oh, now I know what I'm dealing with. And that's when change can really happen because there's a grace there um, to change your mind, renew your mind, uh, it renews your body, it's going to transform your spirit. Um, so in every way, that's when um, that transformation can really happen when that revelation comes. Yeah, that's really good. As I was thinking about this question, I was thinking there's kind of two extremes in the church. One is everything is <laughs> demonic or yeah. angelic, right? Yeah. See. It's either demonic or an an angel made this happen or... And then the other side is everything is a natural consequence, right? Yeah. Um, And so one thing that you have to be careful with, and I I find that uh, the truth is somewhere in the middle of the two extremes. Like you can't command the devil to go when you mismanage your finances. (laughs) Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. (laughs) No matter how much you command them to go, if you're the one that is causing the issue... Well, you're going to have to grow. You're going to have to learn how to steward your finances. But on the other end, you could be doing all the natural things and not deal with an enemy or an open door. And if if you don't deal with that, uh, you're not going to have the freedom even if you do all the natural things. An example of that is, and maybe you can speak into this a little bit too, Mom, but when I was a kid, like from mm. from one to five, I died I almost died several times. <laughs> I bro- I broke bones. I was ran over by a car from uh, conception. Yeah, yeah. It, and well, I don't remember that no, one. You don't but, remember that part. Uh, but yeah, everything like my life was trying to be taken from me, mm-hmm. and then you guys got a revelation that this could be something a little bit more, and you did some spiritual warfare, and from that point on, those things really stopped. Correct. In a sense, that had to be dealt with in a spiritual way, it had to be, you had to deal with a spirit 
and then it brought freedom. Another example is one of my children that will go uh, the name- nameless, nameless, right? <laughs> uh, they were dealing with a lot of rage when they were younger, and I was like, I don't know why they're dealing with this. I, to me, it didn't seem like there was any reason for it. And so I did all the parental things, correction, speaking into it. And then in in the middle of an episode uh, where they were lashing out in rage, I just heard the Lord say that this is a spirit. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I just dealt with it as a spirit. I commanded the spirit of right. anger and rage to go and did what I knew to do in in a spiritual sense. And from that point on, it really shifted, but it didn't shift until I actually dealt with the spirit. So it's a good question to ask, are the things that you're dealing with, is it a spirit or is it something that is a result of natural consequences? I'm glad you brought up this perspective because when I heard the question, I'm just thinking, my thoughts, what's going on inside of my Mm -hmm. headspace type thing. But really, you brought it to a much broader scale, which is really important to realize Mm -hmm. uh, because even when when you were conceived, uh, you know, immediately I began to Mm -hmm. hemorrhage and all that type of stuff. And at that time, we were at Rhema Bible uh, Training Center uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, um, And so, you know, here... Everything was a strategy to try to take your life. Mm. And for me, I was just thinking, you know, uh, the enemy wants me to have a miscarriage. Long story short, Kenneth Hagen, uh, I went mm. up to Kenneth Hagen and he just looked at me and he said, and he didn't know I was pregnant because I was barely pregnant. He said, everything is okay. The devil is on the run. Mm-hmm. And... Um, immediately, you know, I got home, the hemorrhaging, all that stuff stopped, but I did not realize, and I was praying and all those things, but I didn't think about it till that moment that the enemy had a strategy. And at Mm. that moment when he, uh, well, he didn't even pray for me. He just spoke it over me and he says, the devil's on the run now. And that stopped. Mm -hmm. And so then, uh, but you know, if the enemy has a place and if we're ignorant, if we're ignorant of Satan's devices, we might think something is just a natural consequence or or Mm -hmm. this is just the way it is. Why does this always happen? This is always happening to Mm -hmm. me type thing. Then we have to look and say, okay, is there a strategy there of the enemy? Mm -hmm. And, uh, And it was so true that you experienced so many things when you were young. And, um, I remember uh, one time uh, we got uh, someone gave handed us down a mattress. Rebecca, my daughter, she was. We were taking her out of a crib and putting her uh, in a bed, and we just put the mattress on the floor. And it came from a family member. We should have thought because there was probably aspects in that family that were. Mm-hmm. You know, not kosher. Not, yeah, and um, so I don't want to get too detailed, but we put her, and she never had a problem sleeping. We put her in this mattress. She's crying, screaming, fearful in the middle of the night. This went on for like two, three nights, and we're going, "Oh my goodness!" And we went and we just put our hands on that bed and said, "In the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. anything attached to this bed, you leave right now. This this home." belongs to Jesus, you know, and we just, we just prayed after that, she slept perfectly and we're going, oh my gosh, you know, we we never, we never, you know, we didn't even think about those things in those days Um, because, you know, the enemy comes, your favorite scripture, Joel, he comes to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. So sometimes we could be dealing with things, but the fact is, if it's not of God, we have the ability in the name of Jesus, whether it is a a demonic spiritual strategy of hell to take us out or just things happening where the enemy is stealing and killing in Mm -hmm. in you know, more of a passive sense or through my thoughts, I have the authority in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And and if we recognize that we carry that, yeah. the blood of Jesus Christ 
holds so much power, yes, for our salvation, but also for our emotional freedom Mm -hmm. and every aspect of our lives. So the good news of this question is if you're dealing with the spirit, you have authority. Yeah. Yeah. If you're dealing with yourself, you have authority. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) If you're just dealing with this simple lie, you have authority. You know, we're we're in a world and crazy things are happening in the world, but we have the authority of what's going to happen in us because we're sons and daughters of the living God. Yeah. And I do think this question is kind of complex um, because I think body, soul, and spirit are so interconnected. Mm -hmm. um, And it's sometimes we try to separate them and they're really, they're not separated or they're not separate. Um, And so you you could have dynamics of all different kind of things at play. Uh, But one thing I do or I have seen is that when it is a spirit, there will be great resistance to the things of God. Mm-hmm. And so kind of, if you're, if you're not sure where the source is coming from, um, if you, you know, go to pray or read the word or confess, um, the truth of what God says about you, um, if someone starts talking about the things of God and there is a, a real resistance to it, uh, maybe you start to have a physical sensation, you know, you get a headache or um, or your mind is so foggy that you can't focus or, um, or you get really angry or there's just a really strong reaction, uh, resistant reaction to the things of God. That's a pretty good indicator that there could be a spirit, uh, a demonic spirit of um, at, at work there. And so that's, when you can just take uh, that authority that we have. Um, you know, I think especially in uh, the world uh, looks at deliverance as this, you know, this big exorcism situations, um, but it doesn't have to be that way. Right. It can be actually really simple and just taking the authority that you have in Jesus yes. and commanding that spirit to go. Um, and I also would say if, um, if you are plagued, you know, if you're ever, I remember this happening, I would be driving and all of a sudden there would be a thought of just swerve and hit the car, the oncoming car. Well, you could think, well, that, that was a weird thought. Or, you know, if you've dealt with depression or things like that, um, though you can start to kind of ponder, well, why did I have that thought? But that is a demonic spirit trying to influence you towards killing, stealing, and destroying. Um, and so I, one of the most powerful things that I, I have ever been taught was pastor Steve in one of our Bible classes. Um, he used to say, you can just say, that's not my thought. Mm -hmm. And it comes from a scripture where it says, take no thought saying, but I just started doing that. And I still do that to this day is when a thought comes to me that is destructive in any way, I just don't have to give it any mind. I don't even have to figure out where the source is. I can just say, that is not my thought. I reject that thought. It has no, um, I'm not going to give it any place in my life at all. I, um, and that is resisting the devil. That's what that is. When you submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. And so just those, sometimes those simple things of saying, well, that's not my thought. Um, or, you know, I, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, get, get out. Um, those things, you know, you can go into the weeds and try to figure out where every little thing is coming from, but sometimes it it is um, there's just responses that you can give that um, the enemy might be wanting to try to take energies from you to try to figure something out when you don't need to give it that. It's, at times you do, but not always. And so, just some little practical tips um, there. So those are some helpful tips to kind of work this out on your own. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also believe that sometimes you need help, right? You need outside influence. You need people speaking into your life. So that kind of leads us into our next question. And I'll, I'll give the question and then maybe Katie, you can start out with it. But since Jesus is our everything, is counseling necessary for a believer? Okay. (laughs) So we talked about what you could do personally, but sometimes you need a little extra help yeah. So if Jesus is our everything, mm-hmm. uh, do believers need to go to counseling? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I definitely could see where people and and really the church had for a long time uh, leaned on the side of uh, Jesus is our everything. We don't need 
we don't professional we don't counseling. Need, yeah, that would be more like new agey or or mind tricks or things like that. Um, now I, I see that that has definitely changed. Um, seeking out mental health has definitely become more of a conversation in the church. Um, um, my response would be one, uh, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Um, mm-hmm. when you are only in your own mind, it's hard to see anything that is outside of your own mind. If yeah. you believe what you believe, you think what you think, you experience what you experience, and yeah. you could talk to any other human being and they're going to see things differently than you see them. And it's going to be a mind tilt for you. It's, it's, it's different from your patterns of thought. And so sometimes we are so, um, in engulfed or entrenched in our own thinking, um, that we need another perspective to, to see a great, the greater perspective of what is actually happening inside of us. Um, and so sometimes I think that you can really, um, have breakthrough just through talking to a friend, um, just, just actually communicating what you're experiencing to another human being. Um, however, sometimes you do need someone with a little bit more experience, um, understanding the processes of thought, um, who has a more trained way of communicating, um, what, what they're hearing as far as what, you know, what your processes are, um, giving that different perspective. And, you know, we, we go to school to gain education in certain areas so that we are more knowledgeable about them. So, uh, why would that be any different in the spheres of mental health, of understanding the processes of thought, understanding neurological processes? Um, and so going to a professional who has been trained in those areas, um, is going to allow you to um, get those things out of you, but also allow them to speak into you. And sometimes it can be a little bit more accelerated when you're dealing with someone who is a professional in that area. Uh, The other aspect of this question is um, connection. We need connection with other human beings. Um, And so that power of connecting to another human being is actually in our design. Um, And so we weren't, it's not good for us to do things alone. Um, And so I remember um, a long time ago just saying, well, it's just you and me, Jesus, because I was dealing with like a lot of loneliness and rejection. And so I just thought, well, it's just you and me, Jesus. And, you know, and um, that's great if you're healthy (laughs) to um, you know, Jesus is the thing that matters the most, but he actually, that wasn't coming from a healthy, it wasn't, no, no, a it healthy was coming place. from fear and rejection <laughs> at that time. So I thought, well, if they're going to reject me, I'm just going to stay over here by myself. Uh, and Jesus will never leave me or forsake me. So, <laughs> so I'm safe with him, but he actually created our human design, um, to require connection with other people. It's not good for man to be alone. And so, um, even, um, Adam, it wasn't good for him to be alone. Even Jesus on the earth, when he was in, uh, in human form, it wasn't good for him to be alone. Um, he had those around him. And so, um, why should we not just say, well, it's just me and Jesus because it's anti-design to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so whether that's connecting with any other human being or connecting with a professional, I am all for it. I do not think you can remove Jesus from this. I think if you try to approach mental health um, without Jesus, um, Mm -hmm. you're going down a whole other road of trouble because he is the only way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. Um, So he has to remain priority in this process. But but I definitely think there is place for human help in this area. Yeah, and I've heard that reasoning for people that are kind of like fed up with the local church or heard in the local church. It's just me and Jesus kind of a way of just saying, I don't need to go to church. Yeah. And I, I think of that scripture in Proverbs 18, 1, he who willfully, so this is a willful choice. He who willfully separates himself from God and man seeks his own desire. That's good. He wow. quarrels against all sound wisdom. So what is the outcome of willful isolation? A person will pursue a selfish end. Wow. So their world will, will begin to revolve around themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their connection to the world is through a mirror. They only see it through their own perspective. Mm-hmm. And you can really begin to see why that would be a problem, right? And I think a lot of times when you look at society and, and you see how society has become so self-centered, 
I believe we're seeing the symptom, but mm-hmm. the sickness is isolation. Yeah. Yes. So the we're looking at society and say it's very self-centered, but why is that? So right. many things that we have through technology, and I'm not against technology, but it we we find ourselves isolated, and because we're isolated, what does scripture say? He who willfully willfully separates himself uh, from God and man seeks his own desire. So a lot of the phrases, well, if you want to know something, just Google it. <laughs> yeah. There's no, it's, it's like, oh, you don't need anybody else other than you and Google. <laughs> and so that's a problem, right? Yeah. And so it's you a can't... problem for me, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so when you willfully isolate yourself, you will become self-centered. And the second outcome, it says, uh, of willful isolation is against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Mm. Wow. So the person will fight, they will reject, they will disprove, they will challenge correction. So Mm -hmm. think about this. When you willfully isolate yourself, guess what? No one can tell you what to do. Right, yeah. You will just reject all correction. And cor- there's a problem if all correction that you receive becomes a debate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's people in your life that you allow in your life that when they say something, I need to take this and make a positive change versus I need to debate them why their correction is not accurate in my life. <laughs> yeah. See, you need people in your life where... You know, we talked about this before where Moses says, no, Joshua, you must go, mm-hmm. right? There was this demand. There was this expectation from his leader to step up and fulfill the call of God that was on Joshua's life. And so when we isolate ourselves, for one, we become self-centered, but also we can't receive correction. Mm-hmm. And so I said all that to say that it's necessary to have people in our life, to speak into our life that can see our situation from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that is a friend, like you were talking about, Katie, and sometimes it's maybe a pastoral relationship, and sometimes it's professional help. Mm -hmm. I will say this, find good professional help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Because have you ever hired a contractor (laughs) and you're like, hmm, I'm not sure this was done correctly, (laughs) right? Maybe the situation is worse off than what it was supposed to be. So the same way is true for for counseling. If you go to one that isn't skilled in it, then there might be more problems than... Well, and I would say a lot of times people do, they they try, they connect with a, a counselor or a therapist. It's not a good fit. And then, so they just write it off altogether. Yeah. And and I would just um, speak into that in that it might not be a good fit, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a good fit out there. And yeah. sometimes that process is pretty gruesome of trying to um, find um, the right fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but there there is a lot of resource out there. And so um, if that's what you need to do, um, don't, don't just give up the first time. I think our, our viewpoint is it's not wrong or it's not unbiblical to seek it. Um, but if you need it, yeah, get it. And again, always keep, keep Jesus, um, the priority in it. It's not like you're removing that, um, even in therapy, uh, stay very near to the Holy Spirit throughout the process because it it is not just a self help thing. Um, you are um, you're working towards healing. You're working towards growth. We we all are, uh, and so just keeping Him really near to that process will help you. Um, it'll help you know, in the process, he'll be able to reveal things to you that uh, maybe a therapist says something, a counselor says something and the the light, the revelation comes. Um, and then that means that there's a grace there for you to walk that out. So just do all of this with the Holy Spirit uh, involved. And in the midst of all this, we have to re- recognize it is a process. Yeah. You know, throughout our whole entire life, we are growing, advancing, increasing, uh, not only should we not isolate ourselves, but we really need to carry a teachable spirit Mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm getting older, but I realize there's so much yet to learn. I I recognize that I can always uh, grow line upon line, here a little, there a little. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're all a work in progress. We all 
only know in part, and you've got a part I don't have. And that's why I think uh, community is so important, uh, whether we're going into a professional community, relational community, spiritual community, whatever that is, uh, just being in that place where we have a, a teachable spirit. I love in the word where it talks about having a meek and quiet spirit, talking about women, you know, we should have a meek yeah. and quiet spirit. And it would always bother me because it's like, I'm not a quiet person, but I learned that meekness means teachable. Yeah. And if we always remain teachable, always coming into a place where we know we will never arrive so I am going to always put myself in a position that in relationship, people can speak into my life. Yeah. Uh, actually, even just what we do here, we speak into each other's lives a lot. And um, you might tease me, but you might be teasing me with truth, which helps me to grow. And guess what? I'm learning from the younger, you know, I'm growing by being in relationship with you and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And and so I think uh, what happens with the isolation, I cut off my ability, one, to see different perspectives. Mm -hmm. I cut off my ability because we all have blind spots. So I cut off my ability for light to shine upon that blind spot because I'm so afraid of that blind spot being exposed because it is this mountain that is standing before me and inside of me, I cannot believe that I can get over that mountain. So I hide it, I pretend it's not there. And so I isolate myself because if someone tells me what I know, yeah. is already messed up. I might it might be a blind spot, but yet I know something isn't right, then I'm sabotaging my ability to grow. And so it it takes humility, it takes teachableness, and it's it's always a lifelong journey. None of us ever arrive. Mm -hmm. And and I think if we can just be in a place where we just humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, you know, we connect to people in heart and we really have life exchange, then we're constantly in in an environment where we can grow and yeah. advance. Yeah. I think this is an Amish proverb, but uh, I think as many hands make the work light. Mm -hmm. And there have been times in my life that I probably could have used some therapy, mm -hmm. uh, but I pressed through and, you know, sought truth, you know, and God pulled me through a lot of those situations, but I realized if I probably would have went and got some therapy, it probably could have been a quicker season of my life. Yeah. And um, like I said, sometimes you just need a little bit of help. And there is no shame in getting help. In fact, it's the wisest thing we can do, uh, whether it's professional or someone who is just very, there's some people that just carry such grace gifts well, and I think as someone who has dealt with, you know, depression, anxiety, things like that, um, two of the biggest lies, and I've heard this from so many people, two of the biggest thoughts when you're experiencing something like that is one, uh, I'm the only one who's going through this. So it, it becomes very isolating in that you think that it is only me. Uh, and so what happens when you start talking to someone about it is you realize, well, that's not true. Uh, there's actually a lot of other people who have experienced this. And so right there, that dismantles that whole process yeah. uh, and gets it out of you so that you're not alone. You don't feel alone anymore because you realize that other people have experienced this. The other, the other big um, lie or fear is that this will, what if this never ends? Uh, and that one is massive because when you're in it, uh, it, it feels, feels really hopeless. It yeah. feels really dark. It feels like, uh, what if this never ends? And when you begin to talk about it with someone else, um, you begin to realize, uh, or it actually invites hope into the situation uh, in that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It adds that that hope-filled um, perspective uh, and it allows them to kind of point you in that direction of light instead of that kind of dark tunnel feeling of, uh, is this my lot in life? Uh, and so just, just communicating allows those two massive strongholds um, to kind of come to light and dismantle much quicker than if we try to work through that on our own. And one thing that I speak a lot about is the more self-aware we are, the better decisions we make. 
And so connecting with other people, they help us become aware of what's going on on the inside of us. Mm -hmm. And when I become aware, I'm going, oh, this mountain isn't as big as I thought. You know, yeah. we get that hope. Yeah. And, and that's that's really beautiful because now I am building relationships. I'm building uh, uh, relationships that I can trust. Yeah. Uh, that I'm open, I'm honest, I'm free. I don't have to be perfect, which is liberating. Yeah. I don't have to have it all together. But when I connect to others, they can help me walk through those things. And in friendships, we can help one another. Mm -hmm. You know, if if uh, you're having a bad day, I can lift you up. If I'm having a bad day, you can lift me up. The fact is, as you talked about, Joel, we, do, we just cannot isolate ourselves and become an island. Yeah. So the question is, is counseling necessary for a believer? I wouldn't say it's necessary, but um, if you need it, it's okay. Yeah. Yep. So don't be ashamed about it if if you need it. Yep. I think this next question kind of fits into the counseling arena. Uh, the question is, it seems this world is tearing apart at the seams, right? We might need some counseling for that. <laughs> How do I deal with this ever-increasing pressure, this pressure of the age. I know you Who have a sermon on that, Mom, <laughs> so maybe you could start it out. Well, I think what has got our attention has got our direction. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm just focusing on the problem, I'll never see that there's a potential for a solution. Mm -hmm. And what is really powerful is if I can look at my life and say, how can I be a part of the solution? Just talking about all the bad that's going yeah. on and all the evil that's going on and all these people that are perpetrating all these harms and, you know, this governmental official or this whatever, you know, when people just are in this huge blame game uh, and, and attacking people, really, it's the most powerless thing we can do. Yeah. Because if I do not have the power to change something, I will feel powerless. So what do I do? I find the areas in my world, my yeah. little world, mm -hmm. and say, how can I be a solution in my world? Mm -hmm. I might not be able to change the whole world, but I can impact my world. And there are believers all over the world. There are people I know that are planted in some of the highest platforms of, of society or business or government. Amazing, amazing people. And guess what? They are bringing solutions to their world. I don't have the power to bring the solution to the problems in their spheres of influence. It's way bigger than me. But I recognize God has got people there. Yeah, And so... If I just choose to be a solution bringer mm -hmm. or, or a problem solver or just positive by bringing the truth and looking to the author and the finisher of our faith, and if you look throughout history, you'll never find a time in history where they didn't believe their world was falling apart. Yeah, yep. And so we often, because it's connected to us, it is a mountain, you know, but, you know, the things people went through, the, the what, the Spanish flu, 50 million people died, 50 million people. That was a huge mountain to then, and we look at it and don't even think about it. Yeah. And, you know, we look at what we're facing, and, and we make it a mountain. And so I believe if we would just come back and say, we are resilient, and if the Spirit of God dwells inside of us, we are an overcomer. And if I can hear the voice of God, then I can even gain words of wisdom to say, Lord, what are you calling me to do to be a positive influence in my personal world? And when I am doing something, already I'm feeling better. I'm looking at life with a whole lot more hope. Because even though I can't change all this big stuff or change the world, uh, there's a lot of hope inside of me because I am impacting someone yeah. or my world for good. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I, I always think of um, God created you right now for a reason. And the very famously quoted scripture uh, with Esther is, you know, what, what if you were put here for such a time as this? 
Uh, and I think we all could say that is that we were not born at this time in history right. by accident. Yeah. We were actually created in our very DNA to provide um, solution to our world today. Uh, and so, yes, when you look at all that has is taking place in the world, it can become very heavy, it can become very hopeless. Um, but recognizing, you know, uh, where's the need? Uh, what do I have? What can I do to help? Um, those things can really help you to, to take on your power in that moment instead of fearing powerless. I would also say if you try to take on the weight of the world, um, <laughs> you will be crushed by it. You will be crushed by it. You can, you do not have the fortitude or capacity to carry the weight of the world. <laughs> None of us do. And so if you are feeling that pressure, um, a lot of times, you know, it sounds, it's much harder done than said. Um, but you have to let that go. You have to take some things off of your shoulders. Um, you know, I always go back to the scripture that says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He says, cast your cares on him for he cares for you. Um, his yoke, if it is heavy, then it is not his. Um, and so then I know that I have picked up something that does not belong to me and I need to cast that on him um, because he uh, is the solution to every problem. Uh, and so, and he is the source of my peace. Um, and so when I am feeling overwhelmed, I have to turn to the rock that is higher than I. Uh, I have to go to him, the one that can support every weight uh, that this world has. He actually sees it all. I think that what, you know, we we think with the internet, we have so yeah. much access to so yeah. much, but can you imagine his perspective? He's actually seeing every single human being and what they are carrying, what they're facing. So if I try to take that on, I will be crushed under the weight of it. But if I give it to him, um, he is able to handle it. Uh, he is strong enough for that. And also he'll give me a yoke. It's not like he just leaves us with nothing. He'll give us a yoke that is easy. He'll give us those things where we do have actually um, means to provide solutions in our world. Uh, his burden is light. So he's going to give me something to do, but it's not going to be more than what I can handle. It's going to be um, something that I can actually contribute to my world, uh, which is a really powerful place to be. I really like that. We don't have the capacity to carry the weight of the world. Another way you could say it is, it's not my responsibility to save the world, <laughs> right? There's only one Savior, yes, and that's Jesus. But our responsibility is to carry that light mm -hmm. of Christ wherever we go. And for some of us, it might be a small piece of the pie, right? Mm -hmm. And for others, it's a big piece of the pie. But wherever you go, we are called to be ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. And that is our responsibility. So I think in our society, we have so much information overload yeah. that we feel like we need to fix everything. And we just don't have the capacity for that. Yeah. And so I would challenge you, what are you feeding on? Uh, there's shows that are popular and it's those um, serial killer crime drama oh things, right? <laughs> if all you do is feed on that, half of your neighbors are probably serial killers. Yeah. You're starting to think <laughs> you're, you're not let, letting your kids go out outside of the house kind of thing. So if you're feeding on the all that's happening in the world and you don't even have the capacity to fix 99.9% .9 of it, You'll, you'll start to forget about the needs that are right around you. Yeah. And that is what we actually have power to bring change and be in light to is the things that we actually have control or an ability to be an influence. But if you're just filling yourself with all the things like what this state, uh, what law they passed or what's happening in this country, I'm not saying that we can't have a heart for the world and pray and intercede. I'm just saying you know, sometimes we live beyond our emotional means yeah. mm -hmm. and we're wondering why our our tank is empty. Yeah. And see, all those things stir fear in me. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm living in fear, it'll affect every aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. I will not parent as well. I will not be as good of a spouse. I will not be able to uh, go to church and and worship effectively, you know, where it really impacts me because I'm just so driven by fear and fear is so egocentric. And I believe one of the, the 
things that's going to destroy our world more than all the stuff that's happening in our world is uh, when we are egocentric, when it's all about me. And I think when we hear things that are taking place in our world, if we would use that as an opportunity, say, Lord, I just pray right now, I'm powerless to do anything, Mm -hmm. but Lord, you see the hurting, you see the wounded, you see the broken, you see those that are in the midst of war, Lord, I just pray for them, you know, pray in the spirit. Uh, We all have the ability, so if something comes to us, we have the ability to pray, even in the spirit, praying that perfect prayer, and we have done what we know to do. So if something, say, it's like, I I have to I have to be concerned, you know, I'm this terrible person if I'm not uh concerned about the war, you know, or concerned about this or concerned about uh whatever and and say okay, well then stop, take it to the Lord, pray in the spirit mm-hmm. and rest because naturally you can't do anything about it, but spiritually we can. So if something is really touching your heart deeply and you believe it's a burden God has put on your heart, then you take that burden and you cast it on to the Lord uh, by recognizing he is the one that knows all things. Like you said, Katie, he sees every single person. Mm -hmm. He sees their suffering. He sees their pain. But the fact is, Jesus has already redeemed us. The Savior is always there. So when it's all said and done, we have to live our life in light of eternity. Because life, I don't know, you, Katie, is absolutely everything in your world perfect? (laughs) No, not for me, not for Joel, not for anyone. But you know what? We are living uh, with hope because we're living in light of eternity. And we have a Savior who loves us and nothing is impossible with Him. Yeah, I do. I think, you know, even as you were talking, um, that can be really, really hard as a control freak. (laughs) Um, And I can say that. um, I won't say I'm a control freak, but I'm a control freak sometimes. (laughs) I love this meme. It says, um, I'm totally laid back there. You know, I'm very chill, low maintenance person. And then it's like, uh, you're folding that wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I say one thing, but, uh, the reality, (laughs) but you know, just thinking that, that control freak, like, no, I need to know what's going on because if I know, then I have some sense of power over it. I won't be blindsided. I won't be, you know, caught off guard. I'll be able to prepare myself or having that kind of savior complex of, and even as you were saying, um, you know, God knows all I could, I had like a knee jerk thought, um, that, well, then I should take some of that burden off his shoulders. <laughs> oh gosh. And that points to a deep-seated thing inside of me that I'm working through. But I think when you have that kind of savior complex, you don't actually let go and let God, you don't actually cast it fully on him because we believe that if we can keep some semblance of control or keep it in our hands, that that is the safest um, thing to do. And that that is the best, most productive thing to do. Again, I'm speaking to myself right now, Um, (laughs) but that, but when we actually can um, believe that he is greater, that he is who he says he is, and he'll do what he'll say. He says that he'll do when he actually believe that, uh, when I, when be still and know that he is God, when I can actually let go of that burden, uh, that feels really scary because if I let it go, then what's going to happen, who's going to carry it. Um, but if I actually can work through that fear and let it go, I think there is a famous Disney song about this. Let it go. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes I I just sing that chorus to myself. Just let it go. If we can actually get there to let it go, give it to God. That's when we actually feel um, the, the relief of that pressure that we are carrying that we think is the righteous thing to do for us to carry it. Uh, We actually feel the release of that burden uh, and we actually, can walk in the grace that he has given us, um, it, that empowerment to do more than what I could do on my own. I can actually step into that fully, um, walk in that place of power, do the thing that he's called me to do, but not pick up a burden that was never meant for me in the first place. So good. 
Well, I think I've said my piece. <laughs> <laughs> everyone else. You just did some self-therapy right <laughs> I there. I think I did. <laughs> to me, that's best when things are authentic. <laughs> I'll practice what I preach. Then, uh, honestly, Katie, everybody's a control freak. That's yeah, the fact is because we want level. to be in control. It's okay. You don't and, have to make me feel better. <laughs> um, uh, but that's where my big quote of powerful people change what they can because yeah. there are things we can yep. change, mm-hmm. but we've got to choose peace in what we cannot change. Yep. Otherwise, we'll have no power to change what we can. Yeah. Yeah. And that quote has been very, very helpful in my life. I just <laughs> have to say, choose peace, choose peace. And Pastor Steve, he, he always says to stay on the rug of peace. Yes. So, because um, we serve the and it's a choice. (laughs) It is a choice to stay there in that place of peace when uh, the world wants to completely suck every ounce of peace (laughs) out of you. Um, Yeah, I tried to share a quote. Oh, earlier today that horrible quote. Well, I realized that if you have to explain it to two people, you might need to uh, work on it a little bit more. (laughs) And yet, are you going to share it? (laughs) We'll see. I like it. It's a great one, but. Very we'll dad s- joke vibes. Okay, you're just leaving us hanging now. <laughs> well, yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna share. No, oh, okay. I, I think you need to read it. it. It would be hard to share oh, it. Okay, all right. Well, I guess we'll just leave the mystery there for now. One day on Facebook, you might see it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we've worked through our list of questions for this episode, um, but we are accepting questions for future episodes. So please send us any questions that you have. Um, you know, whatever you, whatever you want to know, we cannot, we are not going to say that we will positively answer it, but go ahead and send them. Uh, you can email us at lifeexchangepodcast at gmail.com, uh, or direct message us on Facebook or Instagram at giving light. Um, and again, make sure that you are subscribed on your, uh, podcast platform of choice, uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Uh, Those are the big ones. Just make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss uh, an episode. 